kind of an opportunity for those who are listening online to welcome them back soon because this place is going to look completely different. I'm really excited about it. We, you know, Bible teaches that pride's not a good thing, but you know there is a, a, a pride that comes not just from being not from being self righteous. That's the bad pride, but a courage, a boldness, and it's okay to be bold and say, "What a beautiful home." God has here in the sanctuary. And as we continue to, to make it, you know, updated and, and, and do these things that, that need to be done just to upkeep it, it's, it's okay to say we're, we're proud of, of what God has done here in Golden Beach Community Church in this community. Last week was the first week of this two-part message that I titled, That Thing We Do Wrong. That's a bit of a harsh title, but, but we looked at the action of forgiving And as we looked at scripture, we were reminded of the commandment to forgive others as God forgave us. And we discovered that the purpose of forgiveness isn't necessarily reconciliation because there are times and situations where we can't or shouldn't or it's not advisable to to have that ongoing relationship. We're still called to forgive, but that doesn't necessarily mean reconciling that relationship in all cases. But we realize that true forgiveness leads to restoration. That's mostly restoration of self. And we saw current and biblical examples of individuals who took the pieces of their seemingly broken lives and instead of trying to recreate the old, they accepted and focused on a new creation. Now there's this new term that that we like to use, you know, the the new normal as we get back to post-pandemic life. But isn't it strange? Don't you still walk into Walmart and wonder if you should have your mask on or if other people should or, or you're just a little hesitant to stand a little close? Because you can't get back to the way things were before. Things happen and they change your perspective. And that's not always a bad thing. So you can't always struggle and struggle and struggle to get back to the way things were. And I think that's what we do wrong with forgiveness. We try to mend these relationships. We try to mend this and that and make it what it was. And it can't always be that way. So in turn, we just need to be restored or reconstructed or recreated. And a visual example of this is what I shared was a shattered vase that could neither be made whole, you know, made a vase again or patched or taped or anything to resemble one and be functional the way it was designed. However, we saw that we could take those broken pieces and use it to create something new and possibly better. But certainly life, or in that case, the the image was restored. And forgiveness is so important that Jesus' own words in Matthew 5 instruct us that if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer that gift. And that's how incredibly important this is. God tells you to stop your worship and go reconcile. He knows that you cannot have as much room in your heart to love others, yourself or him, if you have bitterness or anything but love taking up space. And likewise, Jesus modeled prayer for his disciples, right? We call this the Lord's Prayer. We just recited it this morning. And in this perfect prayer, he includes a sentence, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Alternate translations of this verse further reveal that we're asking for forgiveness. Both the King James and the NIV and among others read, forgive us our debtors as we forgive those who've Forgive us our debts as also we have forgiven our debtors. And the common English Bible says this. It says, forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. 
Now that certainly reveals the message. And I hope you understand fully the words that we speak and worship here on Sunday mornings as we recite things like the Lord's Prayer, that they have deep meaning. This morning, we're going to look at some of the other areas that we may require a little more of our attention or perhaps just a shift in our perspective. Loving, praying, serving, inviting, giving, and worshiping. And certainly each of these could fill a message series of their own, but this morning, we're going to look at just one particular facet of each, and that is passion. Passion. And if I were to group all these things into one topic, I would say that we should avoid being lukewarm. Lukewarm about our love for others, lukewarm in our prayer life, lukewarm in our worship, and lukewarm in our giving, and lukewarm in our faith. Scripture warns us using this very word. Revelation 3, 15 through 16 reads, I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That's harsh. Now, there's a fantastic series of movies written and produced by the Kendrick brothers. And they include some titles you may be familiar with. Fireproof, right? Which is, is about the challenges of marriage, especially when the Lord is not a part of your marriage. Or Courageous, which is about parenting and especially um, being a man of God. Fantastic movies. And there's several in the series. But one in particular is called War Room, and it's a film about praying. And I'd like to share just a short clip from this movie. I appreciate you coming this morning. Coffee will be ready in a couple of minutes. Oh, sounds good. Mm -hmm. Now, I ran a sales report from the area. Wrote down a suggested asking price for the house. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Now, what did you say your husband did for a living? Um, well, we actually haven't talked about that, but he's a sales rep for Brightwell Pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And uh, where did you say you attended church? Well, we occasionally attend Riverdale Community. Mm-hmm. So you would say you know the Lord? Yes, I would say I know the Lord. You think the Lord is okay with this asking price? Mm -hmm. And you have children? Miss Clara, my husband Tony and I have been married for 16 years. We have one daughter, her name is Danielle, and she's 10. She enjoys pop music and ice cream and jumping rope. Oh, well, that, that's good to know. Now, you say you attend church occasionally. Is that because your pastor only preaches occasionally? Miss Clara, I really would like to help you sell your house. That's why I'm here. As far as my faith is concerned, I believe in God, just like most people. He's very important to me. Mm -hmm. Well, let me get our coffee. So if I asked you what your prayer life was like, would you say that it was hot or cold? I don't know that I would say it's hot. I mean, we're like most people. We have full schedules. We work. But I, I would consider myself a spiritual person. I'm not hot, but I'm not cold either. Just, you know, somewhere in the middle. Here you go. I've got cream or sugar if you need oh, it. Oh, no, thank you. I like it black. Miss Clara, you like your coffee room temperature? No, baby, mine's hot. 
Oh, Miss Clara. She may have been a little soft with her message or passive with her delivery, but she certainly made a point about being lukewarm, didn't she? There are areas of our lives that we may not necessarily be doing wrong. In fact, we may be doing them better than, than some other people, but there is certainly room for improvement. And Lord doesn't call us to be you know, cold about things or even lukewarm. He wants us to be hot and passionate about them. And this is the focus of this morning's message. So kind of looking at just a couple areas like love. Love is akin to forgiveness. And we spent a lot of time on forgiveness last week because I really do think that we do forgiveness wrong. But, but love really covers, as the scripture says, a lot of sin and a lot of things. And then the greatest of these is love, it says. We know that we are commanded and created to love everyone. The thing we may be doing wrong here is that we may be convinced that we must like everyone, right? And we must need to be friends with everyone. Now, a couple things I want to mention is, is last week we talked about, you know, this process in, in, I believe it was Matthew 18, where it talked about, you know, if, if as far as it is up to you, get along with everybody. That's Romans. Matthew 18 said, there's a process for, for getting along with others. And if there's a problem, you, you go directly to them. You keep it between the two of you. And if that doesn't work, you, you escalate it and bring one or two other trusted people. And if that doesn't work, then you go to the church, a pastor, an elder. And if that doesn't work, it says treat them like they were a pagan or a tax collector. And that sounds harsh. But we took that apart and we remembered what it meant. It doesn't mean don't love them because we are to love everybody. It just means it's okay to have that kind of distance, right? So... We are commanded and created to love everyone, and that doesn't necessarily mean we have to be in that intimate relationship to love and respect them. And we recently explored this topic during our Wednesday night Bible study. We learned that there are multiple words for love, each describing a specific type of its own purpose. The screen just has four of them. There's actually eight words, Greek words for love, and four of these are on the screen. Eros, which is romantic love, right? That's where the word erotic comes from. And philia, which is, was, means um, down here, the emotional love between good friends, brotherly love, right? Philadelphia. Um, agape. Agape is the highest of the types of love. This is a divine love. This is love. It's a perfect, unconditional, perfect love. Agape, Right? Selfless love, universal love. Storge, which is familiar love. That's the love you have for your brother and your sister. And then, of course, there's, there's mania, right, which comes from the manic, uh, which is an obsessive love. It's not up there, but I want to use it as an example because having a mania love is not appropriate or healthy for anything, right? You, anything can become too important or the wrong level of importance. And having an eros kind of love for the wrong person or the wrong relationship is not good or healthy. But agape, agape is God's kind of love. And this is how you are to love others. Love the person for who they are as a child of God. See them as he sees them. That does not mean you need to be their best friend or even have them in your life. We talked about that last week with forgiveness. There are circumstances where maybe you are not to be around them, but never stop loving as God commanded you to love. So what is, I have to laugh when I say this, what does hot love look like? I, I couldn't think of a better word. Loving as the Bible describes as loving with that kind of passion, kind of heat. God commands it and Jesus models it. A cold love is, is, is not loving, right? And I don't just mean hate, I mean just not loving the way he means. 
withholding forgiveness, judging, sinning against someone, gossiping, slander. These are, these are cold. But lukewarm, what is lukewarm? What, what do we think might be okay, but it's really not okay? And that's loving those who are easy to love. Loving those that are, that are fun to love by our definition. Loving those who deserve love by our, our definition. Or only loving those who love us. That is lukewarm love. And we're called to do more and be better than that. So where are you? When it comes to prayer, you know, prayer we know is communicating with our loving Heavenly Father. You know, we're supposed to pray routinely. We're supposed to pray not only routinely like in the morning and when we go to bed and we talked about that, but praying in the moment. It's okay to, to shoot up a little arrow prayer, I call it, or microwave prayer, like, Lord, help us get through the lake today. <laughs> it's choppy. Or, you know, Lord, you know, thank you for this opportunity. Or, Lord, give me the strength to get through this situation. But praying with and praying for others is another thing we're called to do. And we're called to keep our word and pray. When someone says, will you pray for me? And you say, well, hey, can I pray for you? Keep that word. It's not just to make them feel good. It's not like I'm being with you in spirit. I mean, you're really with them when you pray. And we should pray actively. And there's a prayer posture. And this is interesting. The, the concept of, of standing to pray is not a new one, right? But if you look in the scripture, if you even look at some of our hymns, our Christmas hymns in particular, angels prostrate fall, right? And what does that mean? That means to lie down flat. I am so deeply worshiping you and praying for you. I am on my hands and knees, maybe even face down to the rug, right? That is a praying posture. You don't have to have that every time, but maybe metaphorically you should to humble yourself. So what does a hot prayer look like? That's praying in all situations. It's praying without ceasing and praying with joy and enthusiasm. Honest prayer. It's engaged prayer. There's a story of a lady, and I'd shared this before, and she had a parrot. And when she'd do her housework, she'd sing, and the parrot learned how to sing. And she'd, she'd walk around the house, and she'd pray. And I tell the story. I always think of, of, um, of Rena, because I just picture Rena doing this, walking around the house, singing songs and praying. And the, prayer, the, the parrot would often just start praying on its own. Now, did the, prayer, did the parrot, was it really praying, or was it just using a prayer language, right? It, it wasn't. So uh, honest prayer is engaged. You're not just saying the words. It is feeling them. It is understanding them. They're from the heart, even if they're not your own. Like when we recite the Lord's Prayer, it's one thing to recite it. It's another thing. Those are the words, but it's also what I mean. And what does a cold prayer life look like? It's, it's a non-existent one. But what is a lukewarm prayer? That's the rote prayers. Those are the ones I memorize. Like we, we teach our kids this. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Now, we want them to learn that message. But at some point, it just becomes repetitive. And we forget, like, why am I thanking God for my food? And that's the, the message we should share. Or only praying when it's necessary. So I ask, where are you in your prayer life? Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you lukewarm? God wants you to be hot. What about serving? Serving others is one of the ways we worship and we fulfill our calling and purpose. We are designed and equipped and given abilities to serve others. So use your God-given abilities and blessings to serve others, and in doing so, you're serving him. Keep your word. When you're committing to serve, do it. Let your yes be yes is what, what Scripture says, and it means it in the context of, you know, not necessarily what we're using here, but, but there is some value and credibility in saying, 
I will do this. I will serve you. I will be there. I will fulfill this obligation. I have given you my word. I will. That is fulfilling your, your serving, your calling to serve. But with serving, it's, it's quality and it's attitude that are so important. Not necessarily quantity. And, and maybe you're like me and sometimes you're just like, yes. And then you're like, oh, I can't or I shouldn't or I don't have the ability or the, the, the willingness. And, and the thing is, you need to serve willingly and joyfully. And there might be a time when you need to step back because you need to be ministered to or you're in a position in your life financially or health-wise where you can't be that person to do everything. And that's okay because you need to leave room for others to serve, right? It's, it's, if there's only so many opportunities and we take them all for ourselves, then, then you're kind of taking someone else's space. If you're going to do it and do it enthusiastically, do it. Be there, do it. And look for other opportunities for people to serve too. But what does hot serving look like? It's willingness to serve and follow through and give everything you have for the God and others, at least a willingness to. In cold serving, that's, that's just keeping this stuff to yourself. And lukewarm might look like just giving or helping when it's necessary or convenient. Again, God wants us to be hot, not cold or lukewarm. Inviting is a way we fulfill the great commandment. He says, go and make disciples, right? We're to bring them in, invite them along, partner with them. And the goal is to direct or lead others into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This means that the goal may be different based on how God equipped you in this area. The situation where someone else is in their faith journey, right? You, don't, you can't start every conversation with, have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart and soul? I mean, that's the question. That's what we want. That's what we want for them. But I guarantee if you go up and say something like that, a lot of people will kind of recoil on you. There are ways to invite. And, and honestly, serving is a fantastic way to do it. But you can invite them to an event. You can invite them to church. You can invite them to share something with you. And then you can pray for them or with them about that. And hot serving looks like making sure that everyone knows the reason you have the joy and faith. It, it, hot serving may be, or inviting may be, looking for opportunities to further the relationship with God and seizing those opportunities. Cold serving, or cold inviting, that, that's keeping God a secret, right? You have this wonderful thing, why, why not share it? It also means letting others struggle or worry or feel hopeless when you know that there's a reason they should have hope. And lukewarm, and we're good at this, we're welcoming but not inviting. We take advantage of others' invitations, but we may not offer any of our own. Again, let's not be cold. Let's not be lukewarm. Let's be hot with this one. And giving. Giving is a lot like serving because it's a way of, of, of serving others financially. But also means it's a means of worship and it's a show of faith, right? Because we're worshiping God by saying, I honor you. You are more important to me than, than this, whatever that is. And it's a show of faith saying, because I know this is important to me and I know I could use more, but I have faith that you're going to do something good with it, something better, and you're going to take care of me. So hot faith looks like giving faithfully and joyfully, giving sacrificially. And cold giving looks like not giving at all. But lukewarm is, is maybe giving out of a sense of obligation, right? I'll give because, you know, I'm here. Or only giving out of abundance. All right, Lord has blessed me. I'm going to give, give a little bit back to him. All right? And I'm not just talking about financially. 
And finally, and not because this is an all-inclusive list or because it's the least important, but we've got to talk about worship. We started this morning's song, our worship service, with a song, The Heart of Worship, where it says, I'll bring you more than a song. It's all about you. You're looking deep into my heart. You know, these are the words from the song. And it says, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Worship is how we honor and glorify God. It also has a purpose for us. Pastor Rick Warren writes, he says, there's a word in the Bible for focusing on God. It's called worship. Some people think worship is a ritual that is all about a regimen, a rule, or regulation, but it's not. He says, worship simply means focusing on God. To that end, we can become so concerned about the practices and tradition that we miss the point. See, God wants to be your focus because he is focused on you. And we have corporate worship. I, I hate that word, but that's what they call when we get together as a church or congregation. They call that corporate worship. Because, and, and Rick Warren says it's not a luxury. It's an essential for spiritual growth to get in here and encourage each other and lift each other up, right? And this is a need that only churches can fulfill. And that's why God established church. But also you can worship anytime, anywhere. Remember the story of the lady and the parrot, Right? Worshiping around the house singing, you guys do it. You sing in your car, I'm sure, or shower or, or, or something. Or you, you can worship God anywhere and everywhere, and you should. And I think that's what differentiates corporate worship from individual worship. And you can also worship, and you should worship, through your work. You know, verse says, do everything as if you're worshiping, working for the Lord. Okay? It's real easy when we're you know, removing bolts and pulling up pews, but you realize you know, Becky, with what you do, that you're worshiping the Lord, that you're working for the Lord when you're helping other people. Anything you do, you know, the, the shoe store, the everything that we do, whether it's volunteer or paid position, you're working for the Lord. Look at it with that kind of, of stewardship requirement on your behalf. It's a blessing. And the truth is that worship starts in the heart, right? And here's some ideas that an author said. He says, start Sunday before you even leave for church with a thank you. Right? And we start, I start my prayers with a thank you for who God is or, or that we're able to get here or that we even have breath in our lungs today. You know, this author suggests that we listen to some worship music outside of church. Now, I listen to all kinds of music. I know if I start to feel sad, I probably had the country music on just a little too long. But worship songs are uplifting. Even if they're not about the happy times in life, worship music is uplifting. And it says, this is something we do really well. This author says, get to church early and say hi to someone. Okay, and we do really a job of that. Well, why is this worship? It's, it's putting your heart in the right frame of mind, I think. And it's also welcoming and warming others' hearts. Doesn't it feel good to look at someone and smile? And, and, and you see them at least once a week. And I say, hey, I'm, I'm glad you're here. You look fantastic. You're, you're singing well today, whatever it may be, right? Also says, look for a way to bless or help someone else at church each week. And I don't, I'm going to say that that doesn't stop at church, but it certainly can start here. So what does hot worship look like? If I was going to put it in a single word, I'd say it's engaged. It's engaged worship. And what does cold worship look like? Well, obviously it's non-existent. But lukewarm, lukewarm worship is, is attendance only. It's inattentive. It's non-engaged. And again, this is the story of the parrot. If we just go through the motions, if we're just reading the Lord's Prayer but not thinking about what it means, and it's real easy to do to kind of get in that habit, but every now and then just kind of put the brakes on for a second and go, okay, what am I saying? Who art in heaven? Okay. Hallowed be your name. Okay, I revere you. 
Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in. Think about what that means. You know, there are things that, that you know, like the Apostles' Creed, which we, we read periodically, but not as a regular thing on Sunday. This is a, a kind of a, a, a listing, a dissertation of what we believe. Read it. In the back of the Fellowship Hall, the original founding members of this church have a statement of their belief. Go read what it is, what this church stands for. And if you've got questions about it, if you've got concerns about it, let's talk. But know what you believe and why. Now, lukewarm worship doesn't mean that you have to sing at the top of your lungs, okay? Right? Lord says make a joyful noise. Well, you don't have to raise your hands in the air. I mean, that's certainly an expression of worship. But worship is the state of your heart. And God wants your heart, not your words, not your actions. He is after your heart. That's why he's saying, leave the stuff at the altar. Come back after you've taken care of business, right? And we are accountable to him for how we live our lives. We know that God thinks about what God thinks about being lukewarm. Remember he said, because you're lukewarm, I will spit you out. And just as the war movie depicted, being lukewarm is not only undesirable, but it's, it's unenjoyable, right? No one wants lukewarm room temperature coffee. But God promises that he wants you to enjoy your time on earth among his creation. He delights when you find joy and live as he describes it abundantly and to the full. While doing so within the loving limits of his will and purpose for us. Is there an area that you need to revive, as we sang about a minute ago? Or even instill a little heat, a little passion, and some genuine enthusiasm into? If so, I've got some great news, okay? You have a God that encourages your efforts. He will reward your efforts. You have a church family that wants to support you. You have a pastor that wants you to lead you in the right direction. And most importantly, you have a guidebook for everything that you need to do. Prayer, worship, friendship, forgiveness, love, all that. All that. He put it in writing for you. And if this is a conversation you'd like to have or need to have, let me hear from you. Because I don't want you to go another day without opening yourself up to the enjoying the possible enjoyment that he has for you, the, the intended enjoyment that he has for you as you live a life that is so much better than just lukewarm. Let's pray. Father God, you call us to live a life abundantly and to the full. This is not a life of just meh, just going about our routine of just saying what we need to say and doing what we need to do when it seems okay and appropriate and expected to do it. Lord, it's about living passionately. Lord, you call us to do these things passionately. You said in your own words, it's not to be lukewarm or cold about something, to be hot and passionate on fire. And Lord, as we go about our day and our lives with the distractions and everything else going on, it's so easy to lose focus on what's truly important. So this week in particular, where we wanna pray that you revive us again, that you ignite within us a passion for our prayer life, even if it's just an extra prayer a day, a short one. Lord, if it's, we're a little more engaged in worship this morning and going forward. Lord, if we're a little more maybe conspicuous and, and, and such with, with our invitation of others to welcome them, to, to encourage them, to seek you through our words or our example. Lord, to give generously. Lord, to view our life and others as you see it. 
Father, that may mean a little bit of conviction on our hearts as we hear things that may not make us feel too good. As we examine our lives and think that we could do just a little bit better job. But it's like the refiner's fire that puts a little bit of heat and discomfort. But you will tend us and you will perfect us. Lord, this morning I pray that all we've done and sang and read and heard has has been pleasing to you and in your will. Father God, may we be changed for what we've heard this morning. May our worship be pleasing to you and, and above all focused on you. As we go forward from this place, may we be changed and be better. More in alignment with your will and your son and what you'd have us do. God, you've equipped us to be your children. And that is who we are. Let us embrace that. Amen.